During the month of, uh, of December, I'm preaching on the theme, the gift, and this morning I want to look at the meaning behind the gift. Have you ever had a gift and when you first opened it up, you looked at it and you kind of wondered, what were they thinking when they got this gift for me? Probably each of us have had some point in our life that that has happened. And uh, usually gifts have some type of meaning behind it. It may give you the message, okay, they just grab something in desperation, or it may have something that has real meaning behind it that is very significant. Matter of fact, uh, those who are dating experts and uh, relationship building experts are all time analyzing and evaluating how to build deeper relationships. And one of the areas that they have evaluated is the area of gifts. And specifically, this, I know this kind of surprised you, but they've done a lot of studying about men giving gifts to women. They found that it's very significant in building up a good relationship between a man and a woman, whether it's in the dating relationship or even after you're married. They've evaluated how impactful that gift is from a man to a woman. And what they've come to a conclusion that uh, sometimes a lot of men think it's uh, women only look at how much you spend on them, but they found that it's not always how much you have spent on a woman in a gift, but how much thought and meaning has gone behind it. And so when a woman opens up a gift and they see that you have taken great care and paid a lot of attention to things in their life, then it has an impactful meaning to them. And they, it's kind of like you're saying out loud to them, I recognize that you are unique and I understand you. Now, here's a question. How many of you, no, I'm not going to go there. So for you men, if you want to buy a gift that will really make a good, strong relationship between you and your wife or you and your uh, loved one that you're dating, be sure and try to think about what's going on in their life and find out something unique and personal about them. And even though they also have uh, uh, come to the conclusion that even though the monetary value of a gift is not the most major thing, if you are buying something like a gift of jewelry, that women are more impacted by the reality that you spend uh, something of good quality, not like jewelry that's costume jewelry, but something that is a good quality, even if it's not of uh, a major expense, you put, uh, try to buy the best quality of what you could buy. And that is sending a message to them that you value who they are. You don't want to be cheap with them but you want to get the best that you can get. And so in buying of gifts, you can send out great messages, men, to your wives or to the one that you're dating by buying something that has meaning and significance, that has good value behind it to say, I recognize that you are unique, I understand who you are, and I value who you are. Now, with that in mind, thinking about these gifts of these how the experts say the gifts should be given. I want us to look at these scriptures in Matthew chapter 2 about the wise men and the gifts that they brought to Jesus. And keep in mind what these uh, dating and relationship experts have said about gifts, that uh, the gift that you're given has some meaning behind it. It tells that you see that person uniquely, you understand something about them, and you value them. And so we're going to look at the gifts of the wise men and see if they had that thought process behind their gifts to Jesus when they came and see how that impacts the gifts that we give of our service and of our offerings to the Lord. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 11. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James translation. And again, you can look at it in the app to pull up those scriptures. 
It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So Herod was troubled because for his personal mindset, his thoughts is, oh, there's someone, everybody's looking to be a new king in town. And so he was concerned about someone who would try to take his place. And so he wanted to find out about this new king, this Christ child, when he was born and where he was born. So picking up in verse 5, it tells us that the wise men said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. So we see there's a little bit of cleverness that's going on with Herod here. He gets the wise men together and he tries to find out when did you find, when did you see the star, where are you headed, and when you go and find the child, you come and give me word back so that I can come and worship him as well. Now we know the meaning behind Herod was not to go and worship, but to eliminate this possible king rising. Verse 9 tells us, and when they heard the king, they departed and behold the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Now you've got to remember, this has been quite a process and journey for these wise men. That they have from the time they first spotted the star and done their research and travel till they actually come to Jesus has been somewhere within a two-year period of time. And so all this two-year period of time has come to the climax and they have a great joy. Verse 11, it says, And when they come into the house, they saw the young child will marry his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, and here's where we find out a little bit about what these wise men, or some translations have magi, or these kings, what they have brought to Jesus. What was their thinking as they had put all this together? So they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Lord, we come to you this morning, and God, we thank you for your precious word. And Lord, I just pray that as we look at the meaning behind these gifts this morning, Lord, that we would realize how significant what we give to you means about our relationship with you as well. And so, Lord, we pray that we would not only get deeper understanding from these scriptures, but Lord, I pray that we will be challenged to look at our own personal life and the gifts that we give to you, whether it's our service our gifts of our time, our talents, or whether it's the gift of our offerings, Lord, we would be challenged to look at where we are and how we see you and the meaning behind our gifts. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for all that you do in our personal lives. And it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Now, you may remember as I was giving that little introduction about these dating and relationship experts that 
One of the things that they say that is very important when a man's given a gift to a woman is that he has put some thought behind it. He has studied his woman or he has viewed her and what her life is like and he's getting a gift to her that says, I see you as very unique and special to me. So as I look at these gifts that these wise men brought, that's one of the things I see about them, that the wise men recognize the uniqueness of Jesus. That when they brought these gifts, the wise men didn't bring gifts that uh, was just, okay, we're going to go see where a child is born, a male child. And we know that in the customs of the Jewish people that a male child was considered special. It was what the women had prayed for, that they would be able to have a child and that it would be a male child. It would carry on the family name. And uh, for the Jewish people, they all knew that at some point, some woman was going to give birth to the Messiah the one that they had been looking for. And so we know that that all was very special. But for these wise men, as they had seen the star in the east and as they had studied what was going to be happening, they knew that this was a very unique male child. And so these wise men, as they brought their gifts, they brought gifts that recognized the uniqueness of Jesus. And when we look at the gifts, I think all of us would agree. Now, let me just ask this. Has anybody... Some of you uh, ladies in the church have uh, recently had babies in the last year or two. Has any of you had anybody show up with any gold as a baby gift? No, how about frankincense? For those of you who don't know what frankincense, that was the incense that was uh, burned in the temple as the high priest would offer up to the Lord to be a sweet fragrance to catch the Lord's nostrils, his attention. Anybody had any frankincense brought as a gift? How about myrrh? Myrrh was used sometimes as a healing element. It was also used in burial. So nobody has, that's had a baby in the last couple of years that had gold, frankincense, or myrrh. But some of you are thinking, I could handle a little gold. Uh, that would be great. We usually think when a child is born that people will be bringing things like diapers, bottles, blankets, some of those little cute onesies. We're thinking about in that direction, those things that we would consider practical gifts, right? Something that's cute, but something that is practical for this child who has been born. And so we're bringing some practical gifts, something that is, out at, that is considered kind of the ordinary type things. And yet these wise men bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You can imagine that if you just kind of get your mind's eye thinking about Mary and Joseph and Jesus as they're in their house at this time. We don't know exactly how old Jesus is, but we do know that according to the scriptures that Herod had determined that from when Jesus had been born to where the time could be right then, it was sometime within two-year period of time. And that's when he wanted to wipe out all the two-year-old males, everyone two years and younger, to make sure he eliminated any possible king. And so we don't know exactly how old Jesus was, but he's somewhere in that first two-year period of time. And these wise men are not bringing onesies. They're not bringing diapers. They're not bringing bottles. They're not bringing anything that would fit in this first two-year period of time. But they're bringing gifts that are unique for a unique individual. They know that this child that has been born is not just an ordinary male child, but is a child that would be the Messiah, the king that the Jewish people have been looking for. Now, as we look at that reality of the wise men recognizing the uniqueness of Jesus, we have to ask ourselves a question, the same thing is, is our gifts 
to the Lord? Are we realizing the uniqueness of the Jesus that we serve? Have you kind of come to realize that in our lives as human beings, we have a tendency that as we do things over a period of time, we get kind of mundane in what we do? Jansen's saying, yeah. We kind of do things out of habit. We sometimes don't put our heart into it. That's true as I've been talking about dating and, and uh, relationship building. That's true in marriage relationships. You know, when somebody's first dating and when Joyce and I was first dating, it was common for a man to open the door for his wife or for the one he was dating. It was common that uh, in those early dating stages in the early parts of marriage that maybe the wife would fix something special for their uh, husband to, that really kind of, they, they understood the message that a way to a man's heart is through his stomach. My wife understood that. Uh, my wife, her mother, and my mother both were good cooks, but they cooked differently. They both cooked good food. But uh, to give you an example, if my mom made a pecan pie, she used light Cairo syrup. If Joyce's mom baked a pecan pie, she used dark Cairo syrup. So they used a little different approaches to things. And when Joyce and I had been married for a little while, I, it just kind of dawned on me. I thought, Joyce's cooking tastes like my mama's cooking, not... Her mama's cooking. So I asked her about it one day. I said, how come your cooking tastes like my mama's cooking instead of your mama's? She said, well, when we was dating, I figured you liked your mama's cooking. So I watched how she cooked, and I just started cooking like she did. I thought, that is a wild, I, I, I really outdone myself with this woman. <laughs> she knew the way to a man's heart was through his stomach. But we do things that are kind of special, whether it's a door or whether it's cooking something special or maybe a special little gift. But then over time, Things kind of change. Instead of opening the door, we're blowing the horn. Come on, boo, boo, we're going to be late. Instead of cooking something special, you know where the microwave is and you know what's in the fridge. Things begin to change, and that happens sometimes even in our Christian lives about Jesus, doesn't it? You first become a teacher, and during the week, I mean, you're digging in, you're studying the lesson, you're finding illustrations, you're finding stories of things that you can build into that lesson. Then after a few years of teaching, you kind of get to where, oh my goodness, it's Saturday night and I hadn't studied my lesson. And so we kind of get mundane. We kind of get kind of monotonous in doing the things. But these wise men, their gifts, when they came to Jesus, they brought some unique things because they saw Jesus as unique. You know what I think that we need to be reminded? Let's never forget how unique our Jesus is. He's not just a man. He's not just a story. He's not just a name of some God of lots of other gods that other people have named off of Zeus and this, that, and the other. But he is the savior of the world. He is the one who died for our sins. And so I think we could be much wiser in the way that we treat our Jesus by understanding the uniqueness of Jesus. These wise men not only recognize the uniqueness of Jesus, but they also valued who Jesus is. You know, I told you that these dating experts say that when you buy a gift, it needs to be something that says a message to that woman that you are valuable to me. And they use the, I use the illustration that a lot of the dating experts say, don't buy costume jewelry. Whatever you can buy that's the real thing, just buy the best that you can, be, that you can buy. Buy something that says, I value you and who you are. Well, when we look at these gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. As I said, it wasn't bottles, it wasn't blankets. But these things that when we look at it, 
kind of carries this mystical Eastern type of flavor. And we think, okay, well, maybe that's what they do in the East. But no, when these three wise men came in to see Jesus, it was a message to Mary and to Joseph and even to baby Jesus, to the young child, that we value who you are. Why did it say we value who you are? We brought something that is expensive. We brought the very best that we have that carries great value. It was things that Mary and Joseph wouldn't find just around in their house. They wouldn't go and look, oh, look, well, let's put the gold over here with the rest of our gold. They didn't say, hey, hey, frankincense. Yeah, we got a cabinet over here where we keep all the frankincense. And myrrh, that's over there in that closet. Let's store all the myrrh over there. That wasn't what it was. That was probably the only gold, the only frankincense, and the only myrrh that had showed up in that house. It was something of great value. If we were to study the Eastern customs of that day and where the wise men probably came traveling from the East, that we would see that uh, they, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh was something that was not only out of the ordinary, but it was something that had great value behind it. What these men were saying is to Jesus when they showed up is, we want to give you the very best that we can give you. We put a lot of thought into it, and we've brought you the very best that we've got. And you know, even as I was uh, studying the message, I read through it last night about what I was going to be preaching. And as I was studying this morning when I should have probably been at Brotherhood Breakfast but forgot about it. But I was studying and I was studying this morning and I was thinking, you know, Lord, this message is what you've given me. And no matter what I say, it's the message that you have given that's going to touch the heart and lives of the people. But still, when I stand in that pulpit, I want to give you the very best I've got. I want to put all my meaning behind it. I want to put myself behind it. I want to give you the very best. It's just a, some scripture reading. It's an explanation of what those scriptures can mean to us, but it might touch somebody's heart and transform their life from living just a ordinary life and just getting by as a Christian to putting their heart and their soul and giving God their very best. And so if I want them to be their, give their very best, I need to give my very best. And I think that these wise men are giving us that message today, and that is what you bring, whether it's your gift of your service or your time or your treasures or your offering, give God the very best that you can give. Don't give him your leftovers. One of the things that, if you study the Old Testament, that really got God ticked off was when the children of Israel had gone through a spell that uh, they kind of got used to giving up their offerings of the lamb sacrifices and those type things. And God had given them specific instructions. When you bring your lamb as an offering to me, bring the very best that you got. Pick out one that has no blemishes, that it's a male lamb, that's the very best you got, and bring that as an offering to me. But the children of Israel had gone through a spell that they had just said, oh my goodness, it's offering time. Uh, that thing is really skinny, wimpy. I don't think there's going to be much meat on that thing, much fleece. Let's take that one. They grabbed the leftovers, the least important to them, and they would bring that as their offering, their sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord got very ticked off about that. He had become the Lord of their leftovers. And you know, a lot of times we do that in our lives, don't we? We give the Lord our leftover time. Matter of fact, I can remember, uh, you know, each year 
We try to encourage people to serve the Lord in some area of your life. Find what you feel like God has gifted you with and the talents you've got or maybe an area of interest you have and, and serve the Lord. And I can remember one year this gentleman came to me and he said, he told me, he said, I got about this much time I can give you. So you just pick out what you think you need the most that I can do in that amount of time and I'll do it. Now, I was glad that he was willing to do that. But as he was saying, I was thinking, is he thinking about giving God his very best? Is he thinking about giving God priority in this life above everything else? Or is God, is he coming to me as saying, all right, I'll give you my leftover. This is what I got left over after I do everything else. And whatever you need that's not somebody else doing, just let me know and I'll put it in that category. That's not what God's looking for from us, is it? That's not what these wise men demonstrated with their gifts. They came with gifts that said, I value who you are and you mean this much to me. Me and what you give your gifts to your wives, it's going to say the same thing to them this Christmas season. I value who you are. So if you bought your wife a chainsaw, <laughs> this is what you mean to me. You're a slave. Get out there and cut. Your gift says what you value in them. I see a third thing that these wise men's gifts represented. And the wise men brought what was personal and meaningful. They didn't just go grab something. They didn't grab something. They didn't say, okay, what's the most expensive thing we can get? But they got something that was personal and meaningful. Do you understand what I'm saying? You say, well, Pastor, you done told us it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And those were all very expensive items. They weren't normal in the home. But it wasn't just random expensive things. It was something that was personal to what they understood about this baby who had been born that would be the king, that would be the Messiah. They bought something that was specific to represent who he was and who he was to them. So there was meaning behind it. And so when you look at these gifts of the gold, frankincense, and the myrrh, in that day, gold was something that a king had. And so when those wise men brought gold to Jesus, they weren't just saying that we see you as a little child that's somewhere under two years old, but we see you as a child who's going to be the king of kings. We've brought you gold. One brought frankincense. And so they brought that frankincense not to say, you know what, sometimes it gets a little smelly with dirty diapers and stuff around here, so we brought you something to make the house smell good. That wasn't what they brought. They brought frankincense that represented an offering to God. It was something that the high priest would use in the temple. And so then when they brought this frankincense, they came to this child that was two years old or younger and saying, we recognize that not only are you going to be the king with gold, but we brought frankincense. We recognize you that you're going to be the high priest of the people. You're going to be the one that's going to be the one that will represent and be the savior between the people and God. So we brought you frankincense. And then they brought myrrh. That myrrh had meaning behind it because myrrh, as I said, was used either for healing or used for burial. That was two main purposes. Both could represent for Jesus that he would be one that would bring healing for the people's sins and he would be the one that would give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And so they came and said, we recognize you with gold as a king. We recognize you with frankincense as the high priest between us and God. And we come bringing you myrrh representing you're going to be our savior that's going to heal us 
of our sins. I don't know if Joseph and Mary caught on to all that. They might have just been going, wow, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But I have to think that because of the things that we see in the Bible that says about Mary and that she pondered these things in her heart, it lets us know that Mary didn't just take things on the surface, but she took it and she said, what's the meaning behind this? What's the meaning behind these gifts? And I don't know if she fully comprehended it all, but I believe that I just have to believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, recognized there was something personal and meaningful behind each one of those gifts that those wise men brought. You know what? I think that it uh, should be the same way for us and the Jesus that we serve today. And that is that we've put a lot of thought behind what we're doing and that we bring our gifts of service, our offerings that say we recognize you as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Savior of our life. And you are the only answer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. I think those gifts that these wise men brought said, we recognize that in you. So we'll look at what the wise men brought. Did those gifts, you know, I said that the experts say that the gifts you say, say, I recognize you as unique and I understand you. I recognize you as being valuable to me. And I look at the gifts that these wise men brought and I have to say, man, was they on target. I don't know how they did with their wives, but man, when it came to Jesus, they hit the mark by saying, we recognize you as being unique. We value who you are. And we see you as someone we want to be personal and meaningful with. I think we maybe need a little renewal in our Christmas season. We see the gifts that these wise men brought and we have to ask ourselves What are we bringing to the Lord ourselves? Are we giving with our time, our talents, our treasures, our acts of service, our offerings to the Lord? Are we bringing it as saying that I recognize you as unique in my life, that you are valuable, and that I want to have a personal and meaningful relationship with you? I want to give you the very best. Lord, we come to you this morning, and Lord, I never want to get hung into the And I know that the business of life sometimes sucks us into that and kind of captures us into that. But Lord, I never want to be hung into that routine of just getting by. Matter of fact, Lord, you and I have had some conversations recently where I've just got frustrated at myself because I've allowed some things to kind of mess up how I try to always put you as a priority in my life and give you my best And I've allowed things and time consumptions to take away from some of that to where I'm having to do a little more cramming. And so, Lord, I bring you my apologies today. Apologize to you and in front of this whole congregation to where I've allowed things to grab parts of my time to kind of mess up keeping that priority with you. And, Lord, I never want to let that slip. So I'm bringing accountability to this whole congregation into my life. And, Lord, I want my gifts of my service gifts of my time to be that where I show that you are unique in my life, that I value who you are, and Lord, I want to have a personal and meaningful relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that this morning that me, I want to say I'm already personally challenged from this scripture. And Lord, I want to make some adjustments in my life and do what it takes to make sure I'm giving you the gift of the very best and that my meaning behind my gifts of time and service and offerings to you says that clearly to you that I value who you are and you are important to me. 
And Lord, I want each one of us today to just take a close look at ourselves. To look at whether we're really showing by our gifts and talents and time that we're giving you the very best, that you are valuable to us, that you are top priority, and that you mean a lot. And when I think about these wise men, Lord, that took somewhere within a two-year period of time out of their life to study who this child was that you are, to follow that star, to bring those gifts, to give the very best that they had, to even be sensitive. If we were to read on in the scriptures, they were nudged by your spirit to go a different way to avoid King Herod. And they went against the king's command to come back and give them word, risking their own lives, but they did it because of how unique and valuable and special you were to them. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be impacted that way during this season. Lord, there may be someone here today that maybe they've never accepted you as their personal Savior. Lord, I want to give them an opportunity to pray a prayer in their heart this morning, something like this. If you've never accepted the Lord or maybe you're unsure of your salvation, but you need the greatest gift of God in your life today, would you pray a prayer like this? Dear Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to me. Lord, I know I've made some mistakes, but today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. If you pray that prayer with me this morning, you made the greatest decision in your life and I want to remember you in my prayers. If you pray that with me, would you just slip up your hand and just say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I asked Jesus into my heart this morning. Anyone that prayed that prayer with me. Maybe you're a Christian this morning. You already know that you're saved, but God has spoken to you this morning about your gifts, your offerings, the priority, the value that you're giving Jesus, the uniqueness, that personal and meaningful relationship with him is not where it should be in your life. And you want to make some changes. You want me to pray for you. Would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's spoken in my heart. I need to make some changes. Yes, yes, yes. Dear Lord, I thank you, God, for those hands that were raised. There is meaning behind our gifts, the gifts of our time that we spend, the priorities that we set, the way that we value you, the uniqueness of how we see you, that personal and meaningful relationship. And Lord, I pray for those that raised their hand that said, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because God has spoken to my heart about the priorities that I'm giving the Lord and how I'm giving him where it should be my very best is not my very best need to change some things. And so, Lord, I pray, God, that you would give them encouragement, strength. Lord, that you would touch them with your spirit, God, to enable them to make the changes that I need to make, that they need to make, to make sure that you are number one in our life. So, God, do a work that only you can do. And, Lord, we're going to give you the praise and honor and glory. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.